I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this series on the power of our words. Anyone been getting anything out of this? We've still got a fair way to go. We've got a lot of stuff still to talk about. But uh, as I've said in the beginning of nearly all these messages, I'm never more convinced than I am now of the power of our words. The life-changing power of our words. The, the, the life-altering power of our words, not only over our own selves, but how our words affect others. We've been exploring and we've been journeying this whole subject of the power of words. And we're going to continue that this morning. We've been talking about the themes, as I've got on the screen there, how God speaks, how I speak. How I speak to God, how God speaks to me. How I speak about myself and my life, and how I speak to and about others. And we're continuing that journey this morning. We're still working our way through these. I'm not sure where it'll all end, but one thing I know is that God put this in my heart to talk about the power of our words and that we would develop a whole theme on this and journey it together and see what God wants to say to us. And this morning I want to talk to you about the power of worship. Now, this will be the third message in the whole theme of how we speak to God. We talked first about the power of praise, the power of our words of praise. Then we spoke also about the power of prayer. Last Sunday we talked about the power of prayer in our life and how that flows and how that affects out of our life. And today I want to talk to you about the power of worship. Okay, so let's come around the word, and as we do, let's pray. Father, we just speak your goodness, your grace in this whole time together. We speak the love of God, the goodness of God over every heart, over every mind, and that we would be able to journey this afresh this morning and understand the beautiful power of our worship, the beautiful opportunity of our worship unto the living God, and that we would, Lord, truly be, as Jesus said, the true worshippers who worship God in spirit and in truth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Number one, words are at the epicenter of our daily Christianity. I shared that last Sunday. Words are at the epicenter of our daily Christianity. Our words here in church on Sunday when we gather for a corporate gathering, they are wonderful. We sing words, we pray words, we communicate with each other. But it's not just Sunday. It's what happens in our whole journey of our life. It's how we communicate in the whole journey of our life. Not only in our praise life, not only in our prayerful speaking to God, and certainly not only in our worship. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. You know, there's a, a guy called John MacArthur, and he wrote this incredible book called The Ultimate Priority. And there's an early, very early Westminster shorter catechism that put it like this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Another guy paraphrased that a little bit, a guy called John Piper. He modified it a bit and he says, our chief end is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Can you say amen to that? The chief purpose of our life is to glorify God. We are created for God, by God, for God, to bring glory unto his name. So worship 
number one I want to talk about this morning is the true acknowledgement of Christ's lordship in our life. The fact that he is truly Lord. You see, worship is not just a matter of some words spoken. Worship is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Who can say amen? This is not a worship event. People call it the worship service. No, this is... Worship was never meant to be an event. It's to be a complete lifestyle. That is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And we're going to unpack that further. Many of us would be familiar with Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We do it willingly. Amen? Do you? Do you confess willingly that Jesus Christ is Lord? You know what? I, I shudder a little bit when I hear some of the things that are being said in media today and the all the strife and all the arguments. Obviously, it's centred around the so-called marriage equality debate. But when I hear the things that are being said against God, you know, people now calling him as the big sky fairy. It seems to be the popular term that people are using more and more. Mocking Christians who have faith in their heart toward God, their creator. Let me say this this morning. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, let's do it now rather than later. Amen. Because those who even mock God, there will come a day when they will stand before him and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the message of the gospel is that we readily receive him and confess him as Lord now because of his love and his blessing and goodness in our life. You know, I've been hearing a little bit, and this is just a little bit of a side. The church in Australia has never been through such a time as it's going through right now because the church in Australia is now having to stand up and really believe and run its colours up the mast and really believe what it believes about God. Anybody with me out there? And I want to tell you, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. But let us not war in the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not human. They're, They're strongholds. They're powers of darkness. So our weapons are not natural either. Don't get into wars of words about such subjects. Glorify God. Stand up for what you believe. But more than anything else, provide a positive light and a positive message to the community in which we live in. Because the people out there still want to know about Jesus. How do I know that? Because they are created to know him. And to glorify his name. So the basic element of worship, our words of worship, they're more than just some words we may speak through even some very old catechism or some words we quote from the Bible. 
the truth of the matter is that our worship and our words of worship are to ultimately confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and glorify him in the earth. Who can say amen? We are created for his pleasure. There are many other things that show our proper response to God's lordship in our lives. And of course, obedience is a big one, isn't it? That we would obey the Lord in our lives as part of our worship to him. Our giving of our offerings is part of our worship under the Lord. A lot of people don't think that, but when we even give of our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, it's part of our worship experience to him. When we serve God, when we serve others, when we we give of our time, we give of our hearts in whatever way we can, we are truly worshiping God. And not only in the greatest moments when we feel like everything's going okay, True worship should really thrive in our lives in our darkest moments, like Job. And some of you here today, as even as I look across this congregation, I know that some of you in life's curves that have been thrown out to you have had some dark moments in your life, but it's what comes out of your heart in your darkest moments that truly identify whether you've got a heart of worship to God. Amen? It's what words come out of your heart to God, about God, and for God in those moments. Look at this scripture. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. You see, the true heart of worship is a heart that really wants to commune with God, wants to walk with God, wants to talk with God, wants to know him and be known by him in a very powerful way. I love this scripture. Who who remembers scripture in song? We used to sing a lot of scripture and song worship songs. And the great thing about scripture and song was that they were literally scriptures in song. (laughs) And in keeping with what I always say, let the Bible do the talking. Sometimes you just can't say it better than the word of God. And we used to sing this song, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord God, our maker. You see, worship is more than words. It is bowing down before him. It is honoring him. It's acknowledging him as my creator, as my savior, as my Lord, as my God, and so many of the beautiful and wonderful attributes that we know of God. Let's really bow down in our hearts before the Lord in our experience of worshipping God. Okay. Number two. Worship is not three slow songs on Sunday morning. You know, we have the praise songs. Then we have the slow songs. Oh, this is the worship service. This is the, part, the worship part of the service. No, worship is not just three songs of worship on Sunday. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If the sum total of our worship experience is the two or three slow songs on Sunday, I want to tell you, we really haven't got a heart of worship. We can be offering lip service to God, but our heart's not truly following after him because God wants us to know him, to engage with him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to talk with him. John MacArthur, who I referred to 
earlier in the book he wrote, The Greatest Priority, he says this, Worship, by the way, is not music. Worship is loving God. Worship is honoring God. Worship is knowing God for who he is. Adoring him, obeying him, and proclaiming him as a way of life. Songs of worship are just another way to express that adoration. Songs of worship are not worship. It's just another way we worship God. Loving God, serving God, honoring God, obeying God, proclaiming God are true acts of worship. And there are varieties of ways that we do that. And music is one of the ways that we express that adoration. Let's not have a heart of worship that is bound by the three slow songs on Sunday morning, but that we have a heart that is fully glorifying and loving him all the days of our lives. Who can say amen to that? Praise the Lord. Music is a song or a vehicle or a platform with which we engage to celebrate the great goodness of God. Music, after all, is a tool of expression for the man's heart toward God. M music is a tool of expression for the heart of man, full stop. People say, you know, we shouldn't have that music because it's got the, the devil beat in it from Africa. Or people try to put morality on music. It is a mixture, if you want to talk about, of beat, of, of lyric, of timing, of melody, many things make up what music is. But the only thing that makes the morality of music is the heart of the person who creates the music. There's no one sound that is of the devil and there's no one sound that's of God. It is amoral, but it, it's the morality we take. It's the instruments we take. It's the melody we choose. It's the lyrics we write and then we communicate out of our heart that creates the morality of music. It's something worth thinking about because some people are too quick to just say something is of the devil simply because they don't particularly enjoy it when other people do. So let's remember that worship is far more than three songs on Sunday. Can I get an amen this morning? <laughs> Number three, worship is a picture. It's a foretaste of heaven. In Revelation 4, and yeah, there's a few words here, but let's read them. The four living creatures having six wings were full of eyes. That sounds a bit scary. <laughs> Around and within. And they did not rest day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and in to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before him saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. Who can say amen to that? What is heaven going to be like? You know, some people get a bit strung up about enthusiasm and passion. I want to tell you what. Enthusiasm and passion in worship that we experience now is nothing compared to what we're going to see in heaven. If you want to see enthusiasm and passion and noise and expression to the full degree in worship, just wait till heaven. 
but enjoy the foretaste now. Amen? It's very, very important. Let me read another scripture to you from the book of Revelation. This one's even a bit longer, but I think it's worth reading. I'm going to make sure I've got the right one. I'm going to read it off my page because the words are getting a bit small. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, probably like an electric guitar in today's language, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. I want to ask someone if they could just please help this young person from walking up and down. Uh, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying, with what kind of voice? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature was in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. Anyone ever heard a whale? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty amazing creatures. Just uh, recently when Linda and I came home from Europe, I took Linda out into the bottom of Morton Bay and there were just whales everywhere. Uh, you know, mothers with calves and big bull whales swimming along. Some, I mean, it was the most magnificent sight. You think you sort of see this fin coming up out of the water and said, oh, there's the whale. And then this whale, which is called a humpback whale, humps its back and then you just see how big this thing really is. Oh, I think they're like 20 tonnes. And if you're an anchor and suddenly you see one surface and it's coming straight towards you, we had to start the engine. I was hoping that would let the whale know that we were there. <laughs> And all these incredible voices coming. And every creature that is in the heaven and on the earth, under the earth, and such in the sea, that are all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Let me just say, never Judge, worship. It's not your job. You know, some people will go to church, oh, the worship wasn't very good today. It wasn't for you. It was for Jesus. Let's respect each other for how we worship. Some may choose to worship quietly. Others are enthusiastic, jack and... <laughs> jack-in-the-box people who just jump out of the skin with enthusiasm and respect and wonder, you know, for God. Everyone worships in a different way. Everyone worships and has a response to God that is different to others. I remember growing up in church and we used to sing a, a hymn called And Can It Be. Who's ever heard that hymn? It goes like this. Mind you, if we sang that song today, most of the younger generation... They would stand there with a blank look on their face. But we sang it all of our lives. And the words went like this. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain. For me, 
who him to death pursued, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And the refrain went, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Who remembers singing that song? Yeah, come on. And then I love this last verse, I won't read it all. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a crickling ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. There you go. You got it. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And by that time, we're in a completely another level of crescendo of voices raised to God and claim the crown through Christ my own. Remember standing in that little church out of Chinchilla on the Western Downs and every heart and soul in that congregation back in the 70s and late 60s just singing those songs at the top of their absolute lungs. You talk about power and passion in worship. If you're young, don't condemn or be intolerant of the way that the former generation worshipped. Amen? You mightn't get it, because they're not the songs you sing. But if you're old, don't condemn or be intolerant of the way the younger generation worships. Somehow or other, we've got to learn to bless and understand and appreciate if it is the three songs on Sunday how we worship and how we respond. So we share together in that beautiful sense of worshipping Jesus. Okay. The fourth thing I want to mention is worship is the pursuit of knowing God and walking in the revelation of his grace and love. I think this is really beautiful because at the end of the day, Jesus said that he who is forgiven much loves much. And when a person has been forgiven by God and has received the grace of God, there's something that comes out of their life. When a person has had a revelation of Jesus' love, and I can't ask you today personally, what is your personal revelation of Jesus' love? But what I can say is that everyone has a journey in that, has a different journey in that experience, and that the greater sense of the goodness and grace of God that we have in our life, ultimately it will reflect in the way that we live and love and worship Jesus. You see, worship is the pursuit of knowing him and it's walking in the revelation of his grace and his love. The words are inconsequential because once you, once you love God, once you've had a revelation of him, once you understand his power and the impact of his love in your life, it's just going to flow out of your heart, amen. You'll be the first person to start and you'll be the last person to stop. I always say that if you want to be a great worshiper, just always just make a decision. I'm going to be the first to start and I'm going to be the last to stop because I just can't get enough of the opportunity to worship God. And that's not just in church. One of our ministry team up in Townsville years ago, I was driving in down Charters Towers Road. Who knows where Charters Towers Road is in Townsville? Bungie and Bridget, you know that well. 
driving down Charterstown Road and I came to the traffic lights. We're all sitting there, ready to wait for the light to turn green. There were traffic lights in Townsville in the 1980s. <laughs> and I looked to the left of me. You ever do that? You sort of glance over to the car beside you. Has anyone ever done that? Just a quick glance, you know. And there is one of our ministry team, Marianne Owens, was our youth leader. And she's in a little, her little Hyundai XL. And she's obviously got the music cranked as loud as she can in her car. And she is worshipping God in, in her car. I can't hear her, but I can see her. I'm watching her. And she's there at the lights just exploding in worship to Jesus. I don't know what song she was singing, but I could tell she was worshipping God. And I thought... How amazing is that? And I told her later, and she was all mortified and embarrassed and everything. And I'm saying, I'm cheering you on, Marianne, because you weren't wasting any time. You're redeeming the time. You're taking every opportunity. You had worship music, and you were singing it at the top of your hearts. Anybody else like that out there? No one. <laughs> no one that wants to admit it. I am. Some of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had with God have just been driving in my car with worship music playing, communing with God, walking with God, learning to love him. The greatest priority in my life is to know him and to be in relationship with him and to bring pleasure to his heart. So worship is not, you know, our salvation and the grace of God is not just a ticket to heaven. It's not a... Per it's, God is more than your Mr. Fix-It. He's not the guy down at the supermarket where you go to get your watch band changed or a new battery in, in something, your, your remote control for your roller door. God is not your Mr. Fix-It when you've got a broken shoe, where you only come to him when you need something and when you're in a bit of a crisis and, and he's the guy that can fix it all up. Who knows that he's much more than that. He's your Lord and he's your God and he's your saviour and he's your friend. True worshippers are not cafe Christians, people who just see that engaging with God is when I just need to get a bit more strength and have a bit more of a spiritual meal and then I'm okay and maybe I'll come back next time. See, worshipping God, is, as I said earlier, it's not an event. It's like prayer. It's a lifestyle. So often prayer, praise and worship are blended together beautifully by a heart that is broken and bowed before him. How soft is your heart? How soft is my heart before God? I know about you, but I love being in church. I've, I've been in church since before I was born. <laughs> Anyone else out there whose mother carried you in church? Anyone? Yeah. Just a beautiful thing. And then I was born, grew up in attending church, and it's just like second nature. But we need to constantly refresh it in our lives, amen, because our attendance of church and a corporate gathering of believers and getting together with the body of Christ, it's not just an event. It's a wonderful experience where we strengthen and encourage each other and bless each other and, and support each other and corporately worship God together and pray to him together. But in the deep meaningful relationship that you have with God, it comes down to you and Jesus. Who can say amen? It comes down to you and him when you're alone. And David, even after a completely broken time in his life, he wrote these words. 
Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. David is saying, oh God, from the brokenness of my life, from the most broken moment of my life, from my sinful behavior, God, deliver me, refresh me, don't cast me away, and my response to you, God, will be to worship you. My response to you will be to honor you. My response to you will be to praise you. For you do not offer or you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. And this was back in the old covenant. And David, even back then, is saying, it's not enough to go and kill a bull and make an offering and sprinkle blood and bring a sacrifice. David is saying, even then, he said, it's not enough. You don't delight in it in a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God you will not despise. You see, right even back in that time, people would have been offering sacrifices, killing bulls and goats and doing all the, the observations of the law, but they were no more worshippers than those who just mouth empty words in worship on a Sunday morning. Their heart wasn't in it. But when our heart is in it, when our life is truly a broken and a contrite spirit before the Lord, when we recognize that we are completely undone without him, which the world, by the way, mocks. The world mocks the fact that believers need God and want to put their trust in him. But God created us that way. He says the sacrifices that God loves, this heart of worship that he loves, is a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Worship is knowing God, but it's also knowing that God knows you. Amen? Worship is knowing God, but also knowing that he knows you. It's pressing into him. It's allowing God to enter into our daily lives, walking and talking and communing with us, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I love what Kathy shared last week when she shared around communion, how when Jesus came and in modern lingo, Jesus rebooted the system. Jesus rebooted, like you reboot your computer and that seems to fix everything up and get it going. When Jesus came, he restored and made the way possible so that we could once again be in full communion and relationship with God. Like when Adam and Eve and God walked in the garden in the cool of the evening. Can you get that picture of God and his creation, fully in communion with each other. Jesus made a way so that we can have such a relationship with God that we are truly communing with him. Every living, breathing, waking moment of our lives, and even in the night. Is anyone, am I strange or different or, does anyone here, <laughs> thanks sister, does anyone here ever 
say, early in the morning, two or three in the morning, get incredible revelations about God's love. Does anyone here, at any time of the night, wake up for a moment with some great theme or thought flowing through your heart and mind? I'm not saying it's wrong if you don't, by the way. We're not the super spiritual echelon, those ones who do. But I've never asked that question. But I know for me, God often wakes me early in the morning and some of the thoughts and themes that are flowing through my heart and life about God are just absolutely wonderful. So even in your sleeping moments, your heart can be close and engaging and close and loving Jesus. Who can say amen to that? So we're built, we're, we're created to, to bring good pleasure to God. Our first priority is to know him, to glorify him and to enjoy him in every moment of our life. I want to encourage you. And can I say, when we do come together as a church, let's come prepared to worship God. I guess we all come to church at different stages of our journey and we come with different experiences and expectations. We're all different. We've all had a different week. We're different people. But one thing I would say to you is that when God's people come together, we meet together. Just focus on him and start to worship Jesus and the opportunities that are given for us to corporately worship God. Try and get here early. Try and get here early to worship Jesus. You know, can I firmly put my tongue in my cheek and simply say this? We'd never dream of being late to work. We'd never dream of turning up late to the doctor in case he decided to give our appointment to someone else. We'd never dream of turning up late for just about every other thing. So when you come to worship God together with God's people, try to get here. Not on time. Try to get here early and join in with the hearts and lives of people who truly want to worship God. I'll take my tongue out of my cheek now. But I just say that honestly and openly to you as a pastor. Our worship to God is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. There's living creatures in heaven right now. Their job, 24 hours a day, if there is a day in heaven, is to worship God. And they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Let's pray.